My name is Matt Brown. Lately, I've been focusing less on doing what they say I can't do and more on doing whatever the hell I want. And let's start the show. everybody the world is a better place because you are here to join us my name is matt brown and i am the host of the productive conversations podcast it is tuesday june 20th 2023 and this is by far one of the coolest episodes we are ever going to do an entire productive conversation on taylor swift that's right this is the taylor swift episode we are having somebody from the swifties talk all things taylor swift with me debate our great friend ryan page on her influence and we're gonna learn a thing or two from a swifty herself on why taylor swift is one of the most popular artists in the entire world and one of the most prominent figures of the early 21st century But before we get into talking all things Taylor Swift, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations podcast, Twitter at ProdCavoPod, TikTok at Productive Conversations, and we are on Facebook at Productive Conversations. And check us out on YouTube as well at Productive Conversations podcast. So this show, we have talked a lot about sports, a lot about movies, a lot about TV, a lot of current events, and we've obviously interviewed over 115 different people on this podcast alone. And it's time to switch it up. One of the things I'm very proud of with this podcast is that we have episodes and topics across various different genres and subjects in our world. I mean, we spent a lot of time in the past four weeks doing NBA coverage, NBA postseason coverage, and we went really in on the finals. And then the next week we do a Taylor Swift podcast. I mean, that's awesome. That's very, very awesome. And something I'm very proud of about this show, where one week we do intense NBA Finals coverage. That same week we cover the UFC. And then the next week we do a Taylor Swift show. And we have show we have done game shows, Topic Thunder. We have done entire podcasts about succession lately. We've done the Timeline Pod. Obviously, the very sports events we cover, the Oscars, and now a Taylor Swift pod. So what is the genesis of today? So during one of our tweet caps, we talked about Taylor and her relationship ending. And, you know, I talked about I was being sarcastic with her influence, but also not at the same time. Basically, I'm trying to, you know, just strike up a conversation and talk about Taylor Swift being so big and everything. And, you know, that led Ryan to say his opinions on her. And then we have this girl who's making her Productive Conversations debut today see that clip thanks to Ryan. And she challenged Ryan on Taylor Swift. And I mentioned during that podcast, we need to do a whole podcast on Taylor Swift. And clearly this coincidence has turned to a little miracle. And we are very blessed and lucky to have 
somebody do a Taylor Swift pod. I'm not going to do a Taylor Swift pod with just me and Ryan or me and whoever, our constant collaborators. We need somebody from the Swifty culture. We need somebody who really knows Taylor Swift and really feels her and sees her beyond just the immense pop star she is. And I think we found that person. Claudia Dobbins is joining the Productive Conversations podcast for the first time today she's making a productive conversations debut she says she's a swifty she loves taylor swift she's heavily influenced by her like so many other people and i figured this is a great person to have on to talk all things taylor swift so pretty much the way the show works is she helps educate me and ryan on her influence and then ryan and claudia debate on taylor swift whether she is just another major pop star who's in the right place at the right time, or she's actually someone special that we will remember for generations to come. This is an awesome debate that brings all her influence together. We hit on the Swifty culture and why she has so many people love her and all of that. And this is one of those podcasts or I should say this is one of those episodes that defines what this podcast is all about. A productive conversation where both people get something out of the subject they are talking about. And then the audience will get something out of it. And it's a productive listen for everyone. This Taylor Swift podcast where we talk about the pros and cons of her. The hot and cold takes regarding her mystique and personality and all of that. I'm a fan of Taylor Swift. And I want to learn more about her and why she is as big as she is. Because I'm sure many years from now, she truly will be a face of our generation. She will be known as one of the greatest artists of all time. And she clearly is on a path to true immortality and true icon and legendary status. So... I don't want this podcast to be sarcastic. I don't want it to be patronizing. I want to really, really learn and make this a genuine podcast. I'm not coming in as a hater. I'm not coming in and bringing people together to parody one another when it comes to Taylor Swift and her fandom. No, this podcast is focused on understanding why Taylor is going down as one of the most influential artists of all time and i'm pretty sure that is answered in this podcast so why don't we find out once and for all with both lessons and a legitimate debate this is one show i'm proud of and let me introduce you to claudia dobbins and let's bring our friend ryan page back and all three of us including you let's kick off this classic episode ryan it's your turn again Claudia, it's your turn for the first time. Let us talk about Taylor Swift and let us do the Taylor Swift podcast. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. All too well. You belong with me. Love story. Willow, we will never, ever, ever get back together. That's one of many different songs from the world's most influential and popular pop star right now, Taylor Swift. We have a very special, productive conversation where we're talking all things Taylor Swift. We're going to learn something. We're going to learn about her fan base. And um, we're going to just have a great time learning about Taylor Swift for the next hour. I mean, she literally is... 
a cultural figure in this 21st century. She's arguably on the biggest tour right now, and uh, she's as big as it gets. So, you know, we've talked a lot about movies, sports, and TV. Now we're talking about Taylor Swift. So first I have Ryan Page, uh, normal, our constant collaborator with us. What's up, Ryan? How's it going, Matt? Now, as much as people would love to hear you and me talk about Taylor Swift, we really need somebody who is way more well-versed in her and um, could teach us something. So join us for the first time. And really, we are really excited to have her. We have Claudia Dobbins coming from West New York. Claudia, thank you for joining us for the first time. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Awesome. We're really excited to have you too. So Claudia was introduced to us from our great friend, Rocky. And um, friend of the show. Great friend of the show, Rocky <laughs> Palmini. And Claudia saw a clip from Ryan. And when me and Ryan and Rocky talked about her recent recent relationship ending two weeks ago. So that's where this connection started. And as I mentioned in the show, man, I would love to do a whole podcast dedicated to Taylor Swift. And this all came as a great coincidence. So Claudia is here. I, if you don't mind me saying, it's fair to say you are Swifty, a part of uh, the uh, Swifty community, if you will. Yes, I am. Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, I would consider myself a Taylor Swift fan. Now you're not a Swifty yet, but could be very soon. Ryan, what do you consider yourself? As? I like Taylor Swift. All right. Contra- Ryan likes Taylor Swift. Contrary too, so. to popular belief. <laughs> so we all have... Um, a connection to Taylor Swift, but I will shortly play the clip that um, sparks some interest between Claudia and Ryan to talk more of Taylor Swift. But let's first talk a few things, Taylor, right now. So first, Claudia, let me ask a very broad question, but also what I say, a very important one. Why do you think Taylor Swift is so influential right now? I think she is so influential right now. Uh, based on where she started. I think everything uh, can be tied back to that. Uh, When she came onto the scene, I was 14 years old. I became a fan uh, roughly around 2009. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time, she was really the first, if not only, young female singer-songwriter who was writing her own songs about her own life. Uh, Up to that point, everybody else... Um, even people like Britney Spears or uh, Miley Cyrus when she was in kind of the Hannah Montana era, they were singing songs and they were young girls, but there was this corporate um, entity behind them and the songs that they uh, were singing were not written by them. They were primarily mm-hmm. written by men much older than the age they were supposed to be. Right. Wait, and- you're telling me a man wrote If You Seek Amy? No way. <laughs> I'm. I don't know that song. If you see Amy, I'm gonna look that up for you. You guys don't know that that one. I don't know. Comments. No, I do. Comments. I do not know that one. It's a Britney Spears song. Continue. It was Uh, a joke. I. No, that's fine. It's not what I'm familiar with. Um, and you know that fan base, that initial fan base that uh found her and found a connection to her at that time has gone with her. Um, and it's just caught on more steam. Um, but she wouldn't be who she is right now if those same people who were following her in 2009 
2010 hadn't gone with her on the journey she's gone through now. So that's why she is as big as she is right now. And she's caught a younger generation as well. But I still believe that the core fan base is that uh, people, you know, now would be mid 20s to mid 30s who were, um, you know, reaching adolescence around that time. Awesome. I think that is a great perspective and especially the generational part. And, you know, one of the things that sparks my interest with her and is seeing this heiress tour right now. And, you know, me and Ryan talked about the whole Ticketmaster controversy, <laughs> how those tickets yeah. were worth thousands of dollars. And you you see these people on social media. I mean, I guess those tickets really were worth that much. Like, <laughs> I've never seen so many people on my social media Various and mostly, you know, we're from the tri-state area. And mm-hmm. um, so we're seeing a lot of people in Northeast as well as you up in, um, you know, Western New York that we've seen, at least in our area, going to her shows, whether at MetLife Stadium or um, in East Rutherford, New Jersey and uh, Foxborough for mm-hmm. the mass fans. Um, it, has she made it to um in buffalo is she performing there i don't know if she has yet she's not she's not the um closest she came was pittsburgh i actually oh, really? saw mm. uh yeah i saw her a few weeks ago in philadelphia um oh okay yeah that was another uh, one too i've seen a lot of people go to that yep, one yep i was the first night of philly um in may uh closest she's come to us is is pittsburgh last weekend and um in the past she's played toronto but now that she's doing these massive stadiums um for some yeah. reason she didn't hit Highmark Stadium, home of the Bills. I wish she had, but she did not. I think yeah, I bet I you Toronto think. is. I, I, I've I've heard little rumors that there's an international eras tour coming, and so I bet you Toronto <laughs> is going to be a big part of that. So yes, the I, folks in I, Western I, New York have a shot. Yes, I the first t- place I saw her was Toronto Blue Jay Stadium. Um, and how many and times was, have you seen her? Three. I've seen her awesome. three. So I saw her first time 1989, and then I saw her um, Reputation tour, and and now and just a couple weeks ago so yeah and seeing that seeing all the people on social media of the of my of the local people we know obviously on all whether it's tabloids or you know major entertainment <laughs> news sources seeing a lot of people there and it is really cool of course there is a parody to comment on and you know love to get in on some things there and um and even i admit and ryan is those you know i like to fall into that type of parody I mean, I literally say she's the most supported person in the world. And um, I say that half sarcastically and half seriously, because look, look what she's pulling off right now. Yeah, I I certainly think she's one of the most powerful people in the world. I think it'd be silly not to acknowledge Mm. that. I mean, it's it's definitely an economic power, uh, but as opposed to, you know, political or, or, um, you know, a different kind of power. But no, I, I think that's completely true um and you know there is there can be some parody i think whenever you're in something it is healthy to look at the funny aspects of it and those definitely exist yeah <laughs> so I, mean, I i can see your point you could see like as people like tiktoks in the millions of people waiting five hours after the show i mean you have seen some fans yes. doing you know wearing diapers so they don't miss a moment and um yes you know we will get into that a little more but only only a certain type of person can get that um influential like that so i think it's interesting to learn even more and beyond that she is obviously very talented and one story i will say especially with her 
instrumentation and musicianship. So um, me and Ryan were in the Norwalk High School band. We had this teacher, Mr. Smith, you know, yeah, legend in there, right? <laughs> well, so, we got Mr. Smith on this podcast. All right, go ahead. So it was around our freshman year. I don't, um, I guess we're around the same age because I remember her back in 2009 too. That's when I became yeah. first familiar with her. I'm class of 2012, so probably. Okay, so we're 13. Yeah. So we're 13. right yep. in the same, right in yep. the same boat. Um, so I bring this up because he's obvious. He was as big as a guy when he came to music. Obviously, huge music IQ. And somebody was said, "Hey, Mr. Smith, listen to this." It was, it was hit, and then listen to that. He would. They asked him to listen to two different artists. I'm not kidding. It was Kanye West and Taylor Swift. And yep. this was around the time of, you know, the infamous, hey, ta- hey, um, be- Taylor, I'm going to let, you, let finish, you finish. Beyonce made yep. one of the best videos of all time. And you could arguably state that that was the moment for her where I think she really started to make the mainstream, that sympathy for her and then taking advantage of from her great talent and marketing. I think that was the big moment for her. But anyways, he heard Kanye and he's like, yeah, this is all you know, electronic synthesized, but then he heard Taylor Swift. I hear a cello in here. I hear a guitar. And he said she had a great voice. And, you know, here we are. Fast forward, shoot, um, t- uh, many years later. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's something there. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ryan, absolutely. do you also, yeah. He... No, I, I mean, I, I was high school band too. And that's sort of my, uh, limits on formal uh musical education (laughs) Uh, so i wish i could speak a little better to that aspect of it unfortunately i can't i'll try but that's about all i can do i hear that i hear that and ryan do you have anything to comment on regarding her why you think she's so influential before we um switch to the uh what sparked this the soon to be debated if you will yeah i mean longevity that's obviously you know, if you've got a fan base that you've cultivated over, you know, she's what, 15 years old when she started, give or take. Uh, so longevity, of course, is something that's going to breed uh, loyalty in a fan base. Um, the fan base has also gotten older, which means they got more money, means maybe some of them have kids of their own. Um, so there's, there's a number of different reasons. I mean, and all of those are not even getting into the fact that obviously she's know a, a fairly talented singer and songwriter right she, mm-hmm. you can't have a career that long and be no good at your job um i think that that would be or no i that, it'd be very improbable to just you know i'm sure there are some artists uh that have gotten by on intangibles that are outside of music for sure <laughs> um but I'd, I think those artists eventually either A, just get a little bit better or B, they don't have a career that has spanned as long as Taylor Swift has already. Uh, so I think that in terms of like, why is she influential? I mean, she's just been doing this a very long time. You know, it's easy to build a fan base when you're just constantly putting out work that people can, you know, kind of interact with. So uh, I shouldn't say easy, but it's definitely makes sense uh, to build a fan base like that. So I, I think longevity mixed with, you know, of course, her ability would be why she's influential. I think we probably disagree on how influential, uh, <laughs> which we're going to get into, but um her i mean her fame is i mean obviously massive you you can see she has three uh what is it 
three shows a weekend um, in the same city. Yeah, Friday uh, I believe through Saturday, Friday through Sunday. Oh, is it, or is it through Sunday? That's usually that. I mean, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Uh, so three shows a weekend in the same city. I mean, and they're all they all seem to be completely sold out. Um, so obviously that's. I mean, that's a lot of people. Uh, I'm sure there's some some repeats, but for the most part, they're probably different folks. Uh, and that's, that's very big. Uh, that's a massive number of people. I don't think there's been a concert tour this big I mean, that I can think of in like since we've been listening to music, since we could understand what music was, right? So, yeah. um, you know, you can't you can't deny that. That's that's just facts. <laughs> you can see it. Um so she's definitely super famous, right? Uh, not just right now, but super famous right now in particular, um, which does come with its own influence as well. <laughs> yeah, and I think another thing too, and I and I did a lot of research for this show and watching a lot of clips, and she's just she seems she's not seems she is she's a very funny person. She's very witty. She's very. Um, very confident in herself and you know the sauce that i took out of out of this for the for the show it's just her really being very quotable and uh, she's just not afraid and that's one thing that really um impressed me that i never really noticed is just how funny she is and and just she must be a great person to be around i assume I wish I knew, but I would imagine <laughs> not been so blessed, but someday perhaps. One of these days, we won't give up on it. So Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, Claudia and Ryan, let us start this moment of you two discussing this um, Taylor Swift even further. So I'm going to play a clip from an episode a couple weeks back. And this clip is what Claudia saw. And we really appreciate it that she's willing to go in more depth with this. Um, and then we have Ryan here as well. And you two can discuss um, her impact. So this is Ryan. Yeah, before you play it, before, on, before you yeah. play it uh, for folks, we always say every freaky episode at T tweet at RPP nine five <laughs> at productive conversations. We always say reach out. This is what happens when you reach out, when you hear a <laughs> clip and you want to interact. We're not, you know, we're, we, we'll do it. <laughs> we're not uh, we're not afraid to debate. That's a big thing going on Twitter right now. I am the correspondent for the tweet cap. We're absolutely willing to have people come on the show and talk to us. So we're, we're not kidding. Seriously. At T tweet cap at at Productive Conversations, all social media platforms. Seriously. Couldn't say it even better. So uh so let's talk this now. So this is a conversation about why she is so influential and why she is so important. And this piggybacking of me calling her the most important person in the world. And this is Ryan's reaction to that. P95 at T-TweetCap, whatever. What has she done for music? Okay. Like she's done a lot for Taylor. Yeah. It was the house still named. She's a quadruple zillionaire. Like, yeah, she's done a bunch for Taylor. Good. You know, grab the bag. Do, go for it. What has she done for music? And again, you could say, well, Elvis, stole, Elvis did steal all of his sound, the entire thing. But he did take a music that not as many people were listening to. And he went ahead and put it on the mainstream radio. Uh, Michael Jackson. People had never seen 
someone do what Michael Jackson did in terms of the actual, like the stage performance, the dancing, all of that. Um, like, you know what I mean? And no one has ever done it as young as Michael Jackson. Like really like name another person who was like five years old, whenever he was eight <laughs> years old and went until he died as a massive, you know, pop star. Like, he changed, frankly, what it meant to be a performer, not even just music. He changed what performers were look like. I mean, he's one of the first child stars. Yes. And like he, he was a blueprint for what that could look like, the good and the bad of like child stardom. He's literally the caretaker of that. He showed both sides of that coin. So like, yeah, Taylor Swift, obviously incredibly culturally important to the music right now in terms of just sheer number of fans and the, the sold out shows, the music, whatever. Um, I guess the only thing I could say is, has there ever been a female artist as popular as Taylor Swift? I guess Beyonce's, you can argue her. Right. All right that's pretty much the gist of what we're going for. So, Ryan, you want to know why Taylor's so big compared, and I ask compared to these other um you know, major artists are probably on a level right now. We talked about Michael Jackson and Elvis Presley. So that's, I think that's fair to say the gist there. So after hearing those words and more, Claudia, what is going through your head exactly with Ryan's opinion on her rise to uh, this level she's at? I'm so glad those are the comps he used. I'm really glad it was those two guys. because <laughs> I think that helps me make my point a little easier um, as why she's so influential, it, it goes back to what I originally was saying is she tapped into a market that was begging to be tapped into and did it in a way that was completely authentic and has continued to do that. Um, and in terms of what she's done for music, the Grammys are not everything. They're a flawed voting system. I, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of it intricately, but the fact that she became the first ever woman to win album of the year twice in 2016 and Adele was then able to do it two years later, she blasted through a door that is now down for an entire 50% of the population that was completely unavailable to them. And she was the first one to do it. And then she became one of three people ever to win it three times in a row uh, in 20 albums released in 2020. I think it would have been the 2021 Grammy cycle uh, where she won for folklore. It's her, Stevie Wonder and Frank Sinatra. And if you don't think that's rarefied error, I don't really know what to tell you because mm -hmm. it is. She's one of three people ever with no qualifiers, no first woman, first white woman, first whatever. She is one of three people, period. Um, and I think that should be evidence enough, but I'm sure we will continue to talk about this for quite some time. So that's my initial reaction. And Ryan, what is yours? And uh, with what uh, Claudia just said. Sure. Um, so, yeah, one of three people, um, which I think speaks very, very strongly to my point of Taylor has done incredible things for Taylor. Uh, Taylor is an incredibly talented musician, um, but in terms of the uh, the actual contribution to the set, like to the music industry, I don't know if Grammys, frankly, means that for anybody. Uh, there, that's a personal accomplishment. There are there are musicians who have changed music for the better, who never won a Grammy while they were alive. Uh, some predate the Grammys um, entirely as a concept. Um, 
I will say part of a different part of that episode, not from that clip. I did say that there is something that could be a very historic uh, accolade for Taylor. And it would be if she was accomplishing certain, like certain, these certain, like um, these certain accolades as the first woman, uh, because there is that glass ceiling, you know, and being able to tear that down is something that will change. It does change the landscape of music. It, it makes it more feasible for uh, female artists to like, you know, have their voices heard and be considered on the same, you know, way as their male counterparts. Um, uh, I did do a little bit of my own research uh, as well, just to make sure I wasn't completely speaking out of turn. Cause I know we couldn't think of a woman uh, at the time Um Taylor Swift is tied with Beyonce in terms of records sold. Um, mm-hmm. They have the same number of records sold. Uh, they still haven't reached Madonna. Uh, Madonna is still above them at the moment. Um, obviously, Madonna's had a longer career. So this is not speaking to what anybody, either Beyonce or Taylor, are going to do 10 years from now. Uh, but I do think, actually, that, that that speaks to my point. Um, who is the pop who is the pop star who is the original like female pop star the reason that we can have a beyonce or a taylor or pretty much and you know britney spears lady gaga it actually and you know i'm embarrassed that i couldn't think of it during the first episode but it would be madonna uh she showed up at a time and did something that nobody was doing um and now it's common uh and that people like taylor swift can go ahead and be pop stars uh so I think that, again, the Grammys are great. In fairness, record sales, you could argue that some of the best albums only sold okay, uh, certainly during the lifetime of the artist. Um, so we, you can always try and find a way where one thing means more than another thing, right? Like, oh, Grammys are more to legacy than record sales or downloads are more than whatever. Uh, I think part of it, and this is not Taylor's fault in any way, shape, or form, part of it is about just the the course of time uh doing something first makes you instantly historic uh that's just how it is being being the prototype is always going to etch your name in history and i don't think i've seen anything while looking you know preparing for this episode that makes me think taylor swift is a prototype of anything i don't oh i shouldn't say that there's one thing we'll probably talk about it later but there's one thing if I was arguing with myself that I would say, I'll see if you say it, but in terms of just success, success is great. Success is awesome. I gave Taylor her flowers in that episode. We could play the clip again. I said, you know, grab the bag, do your deal. She's massively popular. She's got sold out stadiums right now. Like I I gave her her flowers. I think a ton in that episode. I just said that being incredibly wealthy and incredibly popular right now, doesn't mean that you've, in any way change the way music is consumed or performed or that the industry operates that doesn't there's not a necessarily a correlation there sometimes there is um, but there's not necessarily a correlation and i don't necessarily think that in this case there is one mm. the madonna the madonna thing is an interesting cop and i'm sure i'm sure you're correct about the stat i however don't think she's an analogous figure. Uh, Madonna is the original, like you said, the original pure pop star. That's what she is. That is not what Taylor Swift is. It's not where she started. It's not where she's been in between. Um, there's been moments, but even this tour she's on now, um, 
it's every genre of music she's ever done, which are vast, put into three hours of a show. Um, entirely written, not entirely. I mean, she's had collaborators at times um, to varying degrees, but her fingerprints are all over every single song. Uh, that is not Madonna. Um, I also hate the Beyonce comp just in general. I think it, it, it's thrown out there all the time. It's not just you. I, I just don't think... I don't think they're in similar genres. They have, a, I think, about 10 years of age difference between them. So they were coming up in completely different times. Um, Beyonce is someone who, you know, has a lot of beef with the Grammys and should, um, has not gotten her dues there. I'm not super uh, steeped in that. I'm not a huge Beyonce fan. Uh, just personally, I think she's a great artist. But um, so I personally hate that comp. I, I just don't think that it's relevant. Um, but if you look at, to say she's not done anything for music is completely overlooking half of what she's done. I need the, like I've said twice now, and I'll, you know, diversify my points here, looking at where she started tapping into that market that was completely untapped that opened up a fan base so wide that is why she is filling up MetLife Stadium three nights in a row and doing it in the biggest NFL stadiums in the country every weekend for the next six months that's why because people were craving that and she has maintained that base and when you look at music in the past couple years Taylor is now 33 years old it seems like she should be a lot older because she's been around so long but it's unbelievable she's that young but if you look at the charts, if you look at the artists that are succeeding right now, it's people like Billie Eilish, Olivia Rodrigo, Phoebe Bridgers. There's a ton more. If you look at them and you listen to interviews with them, who do they cite as their biggest influence? All three, Taylor Swift is up there. And if you look at their songwriting, if you look at how they intricately write these pop songs that if you go beneath the, sea, the surface are so much more than just a teeny bopper pop song, even though that's how they're packaged and they play great on the radio, they're much deeper lyrically. She's changed the face of music because those girls are now dominating the industry. She's completely found a way to get her sound. And, and none of this was calculated. It just happened because she is that influential. And because that fan base was longing for somebody and she fed them and now they're superstars and they're going to be the next generation over the next 10 years. And she's going to be Beyonce and they're going to be Taylor when they're 30. And she's going to be, you know, the generation that taught them how to do it. And that's, you know, a very um, general sense, literally in terms of the music industry, she's done a lot more too. <laughs> for, for one, she's gotten, she was, the person who took the lead on getting fair compensation for artists on streaming, uh, she, the Apple Music letter, you can look that up. Um, again, I'm not a business uh, person. I, I can't tell you the ins and outs of how it worked, but I know she was leading the way on that and her being willing to keep her, some of her music off streaming uh, later in the album release them. cycle. Yeah, it was, it was a huge thing and it was... She did it because, like you said, she's a quadrillionaire and it wasn't going to hurt her, but upcoming artists, it, it did. And she's made that industry a lot more fair. And probably most importantly, this re-recording project she uh, underwent, started undergoing in 
I believe, 2019. She's released, I don't know how steeped in this you are, um, but she's re-recording all of her new albums to try and get the rights back to her masters. Um, yeah, with is, the Scooter Braun incident and all that correct, stuff. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. It's an insane project. It's an insane amount of work. She's the only person to ever try it, and it's work. She's released um, uh, two albums so far, re-released Red and Fearless. Yeah, with... um. That 18-minute video they did with that. So. The, it, it was a short film. It was a short yeah, film. Yes, to be fair. It, <laughs> it was, was a short, short film. film. It showed at Tribeca. Um, <laughs> and she will be releasing Speak Now at the beginning of July. Um, I, I'm a lawyer. I was in law school when she started doing this. Um, you can go on any legal research website and search law review articles about this. She's completely upright, upending how we view copyright in music in this country like from a lawyer standpoint from a business standpoint it's an insane idea and it's working and she's found a way to maintain control of her music despite that contract she made early on in her career so yeah and just um just just quick thing ryan just um and i definitely want to hear your point but yeah the whole streaming thing for both music artists and now we're seeing it in um in television and, and film. That's why there's a writer's strike over streaming. I just want to say it's insane what streamers are doing and we support our writers there. Ryan, your point. Yeah. So I am incredibly glad that I said what I said a minute ago, that I had one point that I would argue against myself with. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see if you'd bring it up because you did. You brought, well, you I said two points uh, and you brought <laughs> them both up. Uh, if I was arguing against my point, I'm not. I would bring up the Taylor's version stuff and I would bring up the uh, the streaming, uh, the changes that she's made to fair use and streaming. Um, I The counterpoint to both of those would be that you know, Taylor's done two albums uh, so far. It seems fairly successful. She's got significantly, you know, she's still got some to go. And it'll also, we won't know right now what that actually looks like for the rest of the industry. Um, it does set an interesting precedent, though, that other artists who, you know, especially younger artists that are maybe inspired by Taylor, um, who maybe enter similar contracts to Taylor because they need to get their big break, um, have like a roadmap to follow to take back their uh, take back their music when somebody, you know, manager, recording label, whatever, uh, takes it from them. Essentially, um, hasn't happened yet. There's no other other case of it, but it is interesting to think about. And then the fair use that that one's pretty set in stone. Uh, the, the fair use uh, that she, uh, the fair use kind of brigade she led to improve the pay for those artists has, in fact, resulted in artists making more money. So th- though that, there's no counter to that. Um, so I guess if you want me to amend my my statement, Taylor Swift did a lot for streaming. Streaming, of course, is the number one way to, uh, you know, listen to music in 2023. It's definitely like it's far ahead of vinyl and, you know, records and uh, really any other way that people listen to music apart from maybe for free online, uh, which is still kind of streaming when you think about it. So I would say that, yeah, there's nothing that anyone could really do to argue her impact on music industry when it pertains to streaming and artists pay it's making all of the artists more money it's giving artists who maybe couldn't pursue a career because they'd make such a negligible amount on their primary source of income 
it's giving them more income so they can continue pursuing music uh, as a viable career path. Um, and that's, that's admirable. And I think every artist should probably be grateful that Taylor Swift was a gazillionaire and could hold out uh, and could make, uh, could make her point for them. However, the main crux of what we were talking about was is Taylor Swift the most important person ever or on the planet, or I forget Matt's exact words. Um, most important and person in the world. Correct. Most <laughs> important person in the world. Um, and then I tried to reel it in, and that's how we got into the comparison between uh, Michael Jackson and Elvis Presley. So I'll start with in the world. Obviously not. <laughs> there are people who and i will agree more, with you like, there yes <laughs> obviously there are people I'm with sticking more political with, I, I'm power sticking with my <laughs> proclamation and some others will to agree to there are people <laughs> with more power than taylor swift politically there are people with more money than taylor swift there are people who have more followers than taylor swift not that many we did look uh on last week's episode uh but <laughs> there are people who do have more of all of those metrics than taylor swift so ever in the world right now that's obviously we're, we're moving past that uh or i'm moving past that because it's simply untrue talking about those two in particular michael jackson and elvis presley so uh i did look taylor swift has when you include downloads surpassed elvis presley she's not surpassed michael jackson but that's frankly not that surprising and not that many people have um but Think about what Taylor does. I mean, strip it down for just a second. Obviously, she writes her own songs. We'll come to that in a second. Put that in a basket. Once the song's written and recorded, she usually does one of two things. She stands up behind a microphone with her guitar, um, plays a song, performs for the audience, or sometimes she'll have more of the, you know, the pageantry. She'll have the costume change. She does the dive into the water. You know, the backup dancers do their deal. Um, those are really, depending on the song, those are the two ways that Taylor Swift performs. There are also the two ways pretty much every musical artist around performs. Uh, that, like, you know, there's only so many ways to perform uh, music. But when the two guys I just mentioned did it, there wasn't two ways. And that's sort of the point that I'm making. When Elvis Presley did what he did, when he recorded that music and he performed the way he performed, it wasn't just, oh, this is cool. It was alien. <laughs> it didn't seem like it came from humans. It came from something else. I mean, Elvis he started riots in certain states and i understand that that's partly because of the state's attitude at the time particularly around you know the hip shaking and a lot of elvis's inspiration being uh african-american musicians but actual riots which m made the country <laughs> have discussions about those two things about morality and music and about race and music um you know say what you will about the fact that he stole all that music because again he did i'm not going to try and defend that particular point but there was nothing like elvis before elvis there was music before elvis elvis and then everything after it was different and michael jackson the same way uh, a little kid a real little kid i mean taylor swift was a little kid when she started but michael jackson was real little there was music before that then the jackson five showed up didn't look like anything 
that had ever gotten that big before was totally different, totally unique. And then music after Michael Jackson is a different animal. Now there's people like Chris Brown, as an example, again, not a stellar record for the folks who sing and dance like Michael Jackson. You're doing a really good job picking the the three worst behaved musicians you possibly could. But I didn't say that these people were, (laughs) I didn't say that these people were going to be, you know. It's just funny. It's just funny. A moral that Chris Brown is the comp you put. <laughs> well, Chris okay. Brown. Okay. Well, the reason I picked Chris Brown. Chris Brown was what, fifteen years old when he started. Uh, he dances like Michael Jackson. He sings almost the exact same genre as Michael Jackson. By the way, this is not me saying Chris Brown is more influential than Taylor Swift. He's not. He's very specifically not because I could point directly to the reason we have Chris Brown, and it's because Michael Jackson did it first. He made he made an entire genre, subgenre, of course of music and musician and performer and performance that didn't exist beforehand. And I think when you look at Taylor Swift, you see, you know, the pop star I've already mentioned, obviously there's male pop stars, but there's also one pretty notable female pop star. Uh, I know that Beyonce is a slightly different because she's in a different genre, but Madonna is a pop star and Taylor is a pop star. I know Taylor started in country. I know Except she's branched completely out. different. They're completely different. I don't think that's a fair comp. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I don't think that's a fair comp. I, sure. I, uh, if you look at their albums, uh, they're in the same category. They're both pop albums. Uh, just putting pop on something. I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan, a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. Sure. Bruce Springsteen and Nirvana are not the same thing, and they both play no, rock. Not. Bruce Springsteen and the Beatles are not the same thing, and they both play rock. So... I think that's an absurd but, I mean, comparison. Sh- shake, and, sh- and to I mean, say, shake I, it I, off. I no, I, I mean, when you look at it, you got things like shake it <laughs> off. You've got half of the Midnight's album uh, is is incredibly poppy, and that's okay. I'm not insulted. I love pop right, music. But that's, I that's love point eight percent of her catalog. That's that's I not would say that's it's like more saying than that. no. It's 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 literally mathematically not. It's literally not. It might be her biggest hits. That's correct. You're not wrong. Sure. There. It's but definitely it's, your biggest hits. I mean, it's top yeah, 40 by are. definition. But I mean, so, okay. So let's talk about, you know, she does multiple genres. She's not the first artist to do multiple genres. She's not even the first major artist to do multiple genres. Uh, probably a hero of hers because she started out in the country scene. Garth Brooks, he changed his whole damn name when he switched genres for <laughs> a little bit. Like, yeah, there and are he people, did it badly. He did do it badly. But <laughs> she did Bob it well. Dylan, Bob Dylan, another example of someone who was absolutely cross genre. He was also mm-hmm. a prolific songwriter. Um, has I mean, Taylor Swift is, of course, and in her own right, a very good songwriter, but she's still got a bit of a ways to go to catch Dylan. Um, and I'm not a Bob Dylan fan, actually. I think if I had to listen to one of them in a long oh. car ride, I would pick Taylor Swift 100% of the time. I would. And I'm saying that now not to, only to support my point of despite the fact that I don't really like much of Bob Dylan, his catalog, he did what Taylor's doing. I mean, we talked about she's a prolific songwriter and she crossed genres. Bob Dylan did the same thing. He did it first. He sold that catalog for so much money, something that I granted Taylor would be insane at 31 to sell her catalog. I'm not saying she won't do it, but that's something that he, by the way, started something that had was not happening uh, in music to have that massive sales of your entire back catalog. And suddenly Bruce Springsteen was doing it. Uh, so, I mean, talk about historic moves in music from singer songwriters who have crossed genres. I mean, my point has been, and my point remains that, no matter how we try to dissect Taylor and cause she is a very 
complex and interesting artist, there's always something to look at. Now, a fan, uh, you know, super fan or Swifty or whatever could say, well, you're naming all of these different artists. I'm just talking about one. You're, you're talking, you know, when I say Taylor Swift is a songwriting, you know, a song, a prolific songwriter who changes genres, and I can say Bob Dylan. And then you say, well, she's a, you know, a pop star with a massive audience. And then I say Madonna. Of course. That's not what I'm saying, though. No, I, that's not what I'm, I'm saying. saying. I'm saying you could say that because I'm using right. seven people to describe Taylor Swift. <laughs> and so you could say, well, Taylor Swift is doing by herself what seven other people did, which is true. But it, Unfortunately, to me, when you talk about the historic nature of someone and their like impact on music, when you can point to the people who did it first, it's really hard to sit there and say, but Taylor, I mean, other than just saying, but Taylor is better, which you can always say. And I could just say, no, she's not, um, whether I believe it or not. Like if right. we wanted to argue, we could say, well, Bob Dylan did it first, but Taylor's better. Sure. Unless I don't think so. You know, <laughs> I, we mentioned Garth Brooks went from country to pop, but Taylor's better. I could say no. I mean, I don't I, I would be lying if I said no, but I could. Uh, so other than the argument Taylor is better, there is I could, you, everything that we talk about when we describe Taylor Swift can be pointed at as being derivative of another person's career, which, again, is not an insult. You know how many people are carbon copies of other Except artists? Except that's not what it's I said. most artists. I didn't say it was. And that's that's completely true. But so um, I can hear my husband rolling his eyes from like nine rooms away when I'm going to say this. But I do think it needs to be said. Um, First of all, I think that it is absurd to state that because all she's doing is standing up there with a guitar, that somehow that's not. And... She did do something. She tapped into an audience that had never been represented in actual mainstream songwriting before. It hadn't happened. Every person you have named, that was, but that's age. That that's just an age thing. I mean, I mean. So okay, right, you're going to tell me. Two thousand and nine. No. We talked about two thousand nine. Taylor Swift came on the scene, and she wrote to an audience that had never been written to before. That audience was, of course people roughly our age, you know, y- young people who most didn't women. have yeah, young women. Yeah. And that but matters. The and artists that were before yeah. her were writing for the same audience. They're just a different group. No, they were, but it is not the same thing. You had never heard well, songs. They're not millennial written. young women. Yeah. But they're, no, they were they, the same thing at the time. Who, I'm I'm confused about who you're talking about because Madonna was I, I, in not this writing one, I'm not, songs. No, well, no, she wasn't writing Britney songs. Britney Spears was not writing her songs. The Spice Girls were not writing their own songs by white but the men songs, in their 30s, and it is not. Right, the but same the songs thing. were written for. But the, it is, those, you think that, that you can copy paste the experience of being a 15 or 16 year old girl from a 30 year old white man onto oh, a I song didn't, didn't and say capture you could. it? You can't, and she did it. But, and that is what matters. And she why was those concerts, why, writing about her life, and she's continued to do right. that. And it is a perspective that is drastically needed. And but that music is, exactly is always why, targeted to young like people. You, music is always targeted to young people. Yes, obviously. Varying yeah, degrees obviously. of success, sure. Like, I won't right, say that. But the marketing is not it. the issue. It's what's actually but, happening. It's that the, the song 15. Do you know the song 15? Yeah. 
I do. That is right. No, I'm asking. That's the fact that that song became a single, a hit single song that this girl wrote when she was 16 ish years old about Mm -hmm. the first sexual experience of her best friend, how personal that was, the bravery of doing it. There is not another comp. And a 38 year old man sitting there and thinking, oh, I feel like this is what this might feel like. Let's market to young girls is not the same thing. And that is why Taylor Swift is filling that life three nights in a row. That's exactly why. And that's why people have such an emotional right, connection to her. That I mean, is why. So when I said age specific, I, I of course meant physical age, but I also mean era, to use a bit of a pun uh, for a Taylor Swift conversation. When you look at the 80s, a song like 15 wasn't going to fly not even with young girls. That's just not the type of content that people were engaging with. It wasn't, that song would be way too slow for what was popular. Content would be considered way too risque for the majority of top 40 music listeners, even the young girls who were experiencing, presumably those life events. And so instead you have things like girls just wanna have fun. Yeah, probably some old dude wrote it. I'm not saying that the songwriting bit was I do think Cindy Lauper wrote her own. I won't, I won't discuss that. Maybe, I don't know. I I don't know who wrote that. But my point is that at the moment in the 80s, that song, Girls Just Wanna Have Fun, was written for young girls. And that's what resonated with young girls. I mean, again, Taylor is popular right now because she's writing music for her core audience. And her core audience was, you know, young millennial women. But that's only because Mm. there were previously not millennials. Can so I just interrupt no really quick? Millennial women. I hate to. Uh, it's your show. To, to just, so, just, just so you know, the the man Robert Hazard actually wrote. Um, girls just want to have fun. There we go. Okay. Robert Hazard. Right. And do I think and I'm Robert sure, Hazard? I'm really sure knew? he had a deep and true understanding of why girls. <laughs> I just didn't say have fun. that. I'm sure I, that he listen, did. <laughs> it's probably won't explain it. Because he didn't know. So he just said, they just want to have fun. And we don't right. want to get into it. And that is, how is that? Yeah. Girls just want to have fun on par with, you call me up again just to prick me like a promise. So casually cruel in the name of being honest. Same thing. Equally as, you know, deep and uh, reflective. But no, I didn't say it was equally as deep. I said it was right. equally it as wasn't. popular. And But what, what I'm, I'm saying is equally as popular and was equally as people of young girls are equally as interested in the 80s pop scene as they are in Taylor Swift's music. The different, the reason why people our age are so enamored with Taylor Swift is because we were old enough to be the people they were writing songs for when is before Frankly, we weren't. I don't think I can say anything other than I think you are wrong. I don't know if I can yeah. elaborate on it. Um, I, I, I don't know. But I will say there is a real and true strain that goes through her entire career that I don't think can be discounted. And whether or not you recognize or agree with me that it's there, um, I think the two comps that you used are really interesting. Um, I think the first one being Elvis. First of all, I don't think Elvis changed music. I think Elvis stole a lot of people's music and Elvis never played a single show outside of the United States. He did not make it big outside of the United States. Oh, he made a huge outside of the United States. He was well, huge the, in other countries. The reason he didn't go to other countries had nothing to do with Elvis Presley. That was entirely because he was being built by. I'm not manager. an Elvis official. I've I've seen the movie. Yes, I that's, watched. I mean, I that's Austin in the movie Butler. too. But that no, has I know, I know, to do I know. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, Elvis spent the last what 
12, 15 years of his career, high and drunk. Sure. Terrible health, playing lounges in Vegas. (laughs) Not lounges, but... They were in Las Vegas. Yeah, they were major. They, they were major theaters. Las Vegas but, was not the same Las Vegas. Las Vegas wasn't where everyone's s- drunk aunt went for a long weekend. This was okay, when Las Vegas was brand here's new. Here's the thing: I don't know the history of Las Vegas. I'm not going to pretend that okay, I. That's do. fine, but I'm just but, saying there is a difference. Great. Yes, absolutely. But prior to that, he spent a good chunk of time also just making bad movies in Hawaii. Oh, definitely did that. And Taylor Swift's movies have all been very good. No, trust me, I'm not arguing for cats. That's not what I'm doing. I would not say that. I don't know if we go movie for movie with him. She didn't take 10 years off of her career to do it. Sure. Um, Michael Jackson, the other person you got, well, I'll agree, like, especially visual, like what he did with music videos is insane. And and the man musically, if you look just at his body of work, um, is... Incredible. I mean, I, I'm not going to argue that. That would be crazy for me to do. Um, but both these guys displayed some terrible behavior. Michael Jackson is, while not convicted, uh, known and pretty much confirmed to have done the worst thing, in my opinion, a person can do short of actually killing someone. Um, and then died because his uh, doctor was giving him an anesthetic through an IV so he could sleep every night. Yeah. These are not people who were behaving that well. These are not people who were at the peak of their game. And yet, I would argue, because they got to die young and in a popular way, not popular, but a uh, media frenzy kind of way, and they were men, they get to die legends. Men Whitney Houston to... died a legend as well. Whitney Houston, that's my point. It's not done. Okay. Wait, yeah, yes, you're right. But that's not who you chose to compare her to, is it? Well, I think she's already more famous than Whitney Houston. So there would be no reason right. to compare yes. Whitney Houston. Exactly. But what I'm saying is that Taylor Swift, from the very beginning of her career, has had to behave perfectly because she is a woman, because everyone thinks that young women, especially like and find popular, there's always the strain that it's somehow unserious, that it's somehow not um, worthy of praise or real art or whatever it is, whether it's, you know, a book or a movie or the same reason rom-coms are derided, even if they're as well-written as any action movie, um, that it's this strain in this undertone that this is unserious like taylor swift had to go into hiding because she was kind of rude to a male rapper on a phone call and elvis and michael jackson get to be uh, in one case an actual criminal in the other case a raging drug addict and die icons and i don't think that you can have this conversation without recognizing that um she has had to do every different contortion to be taken even remotely seriously by the mainstream. And she's done that. And the reason that those stadiums are filling up and having these like intense reactions are because people are connected to her in a way because they see themselves in her and they see themselves in her because there has not been a female artist who's writing their songs the way she is for as long as they have that is why those stadiums are that full. It it really is. And 
to compare her to those random guys. I, I think what she is doing is equally on par. I mean, the songwriting she's doing is intensely emotional. It's intensely intricate and it is high art. And yeah, she's doing it, you know, with a mic stand and a guitar or, you know, dancing in stilettos. That's true. But to say that that somehow makes it unserious or not a game changer for the industry, I think is just silly. So I think those are two different points. Unserious is a different point than not a game changer. And unserious is something I've never said. Um, so I'm not saying you're saying it, but I'm saying that. Or implied the, or meant the idea. Imply. No, no, I'm not. This no, that's isn't I continue. against you at all. No, this isn't projected onto you at all. I'm saying that this happens a lot with female artists, all of them across the board. Um, but the idea that because she's having this intense emotional reaction from fans and yes, she is, you know, performing in one of the two ways, like, like you said, there kind of are two ways to perform. You can do kind sure. of the dancing thing or the whatever, because she's doing that, that, that somehow takes away from the actual, what she's actually saying. Like, what is she actually saying in the lyrics of the song she's written that she's playing? That is what makes her, um, yes, it's behind fireworks and glitter and all this stuff, but the actual core of what she's doing, I think is deeper than anything Elvis ever wrote. Personally, sure, I'll, I'll agree with that. Actually, I I don't think that I I certainly wasn't making the comparison that my, Michael Jackson and Elvis were in some way more deep, you know, deeper lyrically than Taylor Swift at all. My point was that they didn't need to be. They changed music at the time because no one was doing what they were doing at the time. We've already discussed. I mean. We talk, you know, talk about deep lyricists. There are plenty of deep lyricists. I mentioned one because I don't want to go through a bunch of them, but <laughs> one that I think would be analogous to Taylor Swift in terms of, you know, popularity, longevity would be Bob Dylan. I think that you get to a By the way, not a Dylan fan, but if you get to a, a man, I will admit, of a certain age and you ask him about Bob Dylan, they're going to have this same reaction that fans today are having about Taylor Swift. And the reason for that is because Bob Dylan at the time was writing real songs that really made you think that really resonated with the fans, which were young people, particularly men, but young people, more generally speaking, of his era. They, uh, that my That's kind of my point is that Taylor Swift's current massive success means that she's writing music that resonates with this era. You could even say that like Taylor Swift's songs are kind of like would be the sound of this era. Like what is top 40 music? What is considered popular music in 2023 or from 20, you know, whatever, 2010 to 2023 or not 2010. That was a little early, but whenever 1989 came out would be probably yeah, roughly 2015. When, yeah, it would be roughly when you could consider Taylor had like actually made it to like this kind of status. Like, yes, everyone likes Fearless. Everybody likes, you know, Speak Now. Everybody likes all of that. But she wasn't that famous when she released those songs. Uh, she just wasn't. She was 16. No one ever heard of her before. She was building a career. That's that's how it works. But by Shake It Off, you know, that one viral the video. I'd argue that there was some, you know, celebrity memes that also helped that song take off, particularly The Rock. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. That's around the time that Taylor kind of reached this kind of area that we see her in mm -hmm. now. So you yep. could even argue that the, you know, late 2010s to early 2020s, you know, if you had to define popular music, it would be Taylor Swift. But I mean, if you had to define popular music in the 80s, you could list like a litany of one hit wonders who did rock songs, hair, like hair metal, 
How many hair metal people changed music? None of them. And I, I don't care who listens that offends. None of the hair metal people changed music. They were just louder Sorry, rock and mom. Roll. Sorry, yes. Sorry, I would mom. agree with you. I mean, I would agree with being the sound Honestly. of a, being the sound of the moment is not necessarily the same as being like a game changer. I think but that's. I think that Taylor Swift has a lot more substance and has done a lot more than any than White Snake or uh, <laughs> well, definitely that? than White Snake. Yeah. But... <laughs> or uh, who's uh, Sister Christian? Who's that? Oh, uh, let's. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's that's an insane comp as well. A, a good comp. Ario Speedwagon. Sorry. No, yes, that is not Ario Speedwagon. Yes, they do not sing Sister Christian. And, well, it's mo- motoring. Yeah, motoring. No, that's not. Rest- that's not Ario Speedwagon. It's, it's actually awesome. Night Ranger. Rogue. Oh, Thank you. Who's <laughs> Ario Speedwagon? Thank you. Which one? No, Ario Speedwagon is uh, Take It on the Run. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, that's probably anyway. anyway I saw Rock of Ages once. Not the point. Wait, My point is film. that being the being the sort of song, like the the moment, being the sound of the moment is incredibly. Then what did then what did uh, Michael Jackson do that wasn't that? Well, he was seven. <laughs> he and was abuse. A, a black yeah, seven so maybe we should black, well, maybe yeah, but that shouldn't his fault. be putting that on no well, he it didn't was abuse not. himself yeah no it was, it was a, not a, but a black seven-year-old came out through motown motown had had some like reasonably yeah. like popular stars but nothing crazy that motown produced but michael again, jackson okay so i'm going to use your same argument against you like yeah he was jump starting his career that jackson five the, the game changer you know you know lifeblood of his career was thriller i would think most people would agree on that right how is thriller how is the thriller album i'll admit perfect album no skips it encapsulated the sound of the time it it's incredibly uh successful it you know has stood the test of time it's still a great album i can say that and still acknowledge that it was made by a monster but um additionally how is that different than 1989 how is it still do this Every Halloween. It was the 80s and 1989 came out my senior year of college and I'm not even 30. So I would argue I would put money on good money on the fact that 15 years from now, when the same amount of time that has passed between Thriller and when I was a kid, um, between that album and and uh, 1989, I think it's going to be the same thing. If you don't think that Shake It It Off is going to be played at every single wedding until the end of time just like well, thriller, thriller wasn't just played at weddings so like no, i'm not saying yeah, thriller, it like, played at weddings oh yeah you think i know thriller only from weddings? no but, that's I'm, no, but, that, no, but i think that's, a, that's an important point because i mean a song that comes to my head mr brightside uh that's gonna be yeah. played at sporting events weddings bar mitzvahs school dances funerals forever the, but they meaning the killers are not michael jackson they're so not, I but 1989. The success of Thriller is not really what I'm talking about. Although if we wanted to just look at Thriller, you could talk about the fact that, at yes, at the moment, it was perfect. The song itself became a cultural touchstone instantly. But also, it's lasted forever. People still do the Thriller stuff. It's right. No one had done anything like that. It was but I don't think you can. And 1989, no one had. It, it, that Have you listened to that album, the Get Front to Back? recently obviously no but right but my point but my point is that i'm not even talking about thriller front to back 
I'm not even comparing no, it to. I'm trying I'm to make that- I'm trying to make a comparison. I'm trying to make that comparison because if we want to if we want to live in this universe where the comparison is Michael Jackson, Elvis, and Taylor Swift, I'm trying to make that comparison. If you want to pull it out and look at peak career, peak career, how are they sure. different? Because well, they for one thing, are massively selling for Michael right, Jackson, which means he gets it was long ago so he has had 30 years to build up that well, i said long status. ago i said longer he did it oh longer longer long, well again he's dead she's he's 33 also, he's also old, seven so when he started so she'll I have to go quite old a, to catch oh and i think she probably will because uh she seems to be oh, she might uh, I didn't say she wouldn't <laughs> no but what i'm saying is i don't think that I don't think you can sit here and say, oh, well, she's not Michael Jackson because she didn't, you know. She's currently she not Michael Jackson. She I can say that. I don't think it is the same thing to compare a peak career that happened eight years ago to one that happened 30 years ago. I don't think that, that that's even like a rational comparison. Someone I think. I'm that, not like, the one who made the comparison first. <laughs> I was the one who said there's no comparison. Taylor Swift is not Elvis or Michael Jackson. Oh. We can absolutely say not yet. We can say it was hard to compare the two apples and oranges. I, I'm fine with all of those arguments. I'm not the one who made that point. My point was just very simply stated. She is not Elvis or Michael Jackson in terms of the contribution to music thus far. I don't think you can make that comparison right now. Now, if you're saying that, and not just you, there's comments. So if the comments are saying as well that, oh, give it time, well, I in 10 years time, we can do a follow-up. Absolutely. And right. I'll tell you what I think, but that wasn't what was presented. Well, it was presented first. Is she the most popular or most important person ever? We bumped that down. And then I was asked, does she compare as a legend in the music industry who changed music like Elvis and Michael Jackson? And I said, no, because for whatever reason, I'm going to say it's because she hasn't had that signature, you know, hasn't had that signature, you know, you know, industry changing thing yet. Others can say she just hasn't had the time yet. And both could be valid at this moment in time, but that doesn't change the fact that in this moment in time, she doesn't match up. It, that's not an insult. That's just, that's fine. No, I'm not taking it as an, I'm not taking it as an insult. I'm saying, I think 1989 is that. Right. I, so I if do. we're looking at then 1989, like if, if so, if we're not saying that it's apples and oranges, if we're saying that this is a fair comparison, that we can compare I think, Michael I Jackson. I think album to album it is. I don't think Michael Jackson as a well, but artist in whole, I'm at, talking about point to point. I, think I wasn't. Albums, I don't think his fans are looking at, oh, well, Thriller is the greatest album of all time. Therefore, it's not an equation. It's not Thriller's the best. Therefore, Michael Jackson is the best. It comes down to an entire career. It comes down to what was accomplished and how music changed throughout his career because of his career. And, right. And I already, and what's something you actually haven't addressed is what do you say about the fact that now pretty much a huge chunk of the new popular artists that have come out in the past five years cite Taylor Swift as a, an influence and are now adopting her sound. How is that not a sea change in the industry? If people are now, you know, this kind of very, you know, I can make fun of myself, sad girl kind of singer songwritery lyricism put into a pop song is now dominating the charts has been the past couple of years. I mean, along with other genres of music, there there's obviously other very popular artists. How is that not a sea change? If post 1989, now you have Halsey, Phoebe Bridgers, Olivia Rodrigo, Billie Eilish, who are 
dominating this space and citing her as an influence, the person whose path they are following. And music itself is now sounding more like her because of her influence. How is that not that? Well, the only thing that the argument against would be that Taylor Swift's sound, and I've, I've made this argument, so this is not going to come as a shock, isn't like a unique thing. It's something that has always existed. Taylor Swift is, for the most part, performing, you know, pop. Uh, yes, there's some dips into other genres, but for the most part, she's a pop star. Uh, star is a country star, so that was different. That was a big move over, although I'd argue she was pretty country pop um, at the time. I think she always had a bit of a pop flair, like yeah, like okay. Shania Twain, just to throw an example out uh, of someone who did it earlier. Uh, I think that Taylor Swift's sound is just pop music. It's, it's not different. It's not a different type of pop music. It's not a different feel to what we were previously hearing. She's more popular than a lot of folks who did it earlier, so she may have perfected a sound that already existed. I suppose musically you could say well that's an elvis comparison right there which is true but the difference was no one was listening to that music until elvis and then he made it global and i don't even so want to like address that aspect of it. I, I don't feel equipped i um i i i will agree with you uh to a point sure um leaving out 1989 sonically i will agree with you yes yes the country pop like the auditory guitar layering uh piano stuff primarily written on guitar and piano with like synthesizers behind it yeah sonically you're probably right i'm not going to argue with you there 1989 before and after it pop music on the radio sounds completely different and everything sounds like 1989 80s pop from 2015 to 2019 especially dominated the charts and she did that first but you heard she did that first in the music space yeah it was an 80s robot you're right no but the 80s electronic 80s synthesizer yeah we heard my other point my other literally heard it already (laughs) great my other point that is not no one ever was listening to. I don't know a single person who actually knows her music and actually has listened to her music. And I think actually a good comp for her is Springsteen. I think if you're going to make a, a comp of like a, one of those older, you know, big time longevity artists, I think Springsteen's a better comp. And I sure. will explain why. Because sonically, Springsteen's not doing anything that crazy. And I can, no. this is the other person I, I feel versed in enough. Uh, to do this well with. Um, he's drums, bass, guitar. He throws in saxophone. He's the big, and... yeah, he's the big band sound added onto his rocks. Rock. He, uh, yes, he, he throws some other stuff in there that does kind of make it stand out. Um, he and, loved did that too before Springsteen, so. Except he didn't. No, he did not. Uh, Meatloaf stole uh, Max Weinberg, who is Springsteen's drummer, and used him on Bad Out of Hell because he likes Springsteen's sound. So that is not the case. Um, And a lot of that is due to Clarence Clemens, who was a sax player, and that made him unique. No Springsteen fan that I know of, and I grew up with my mom for some context. My mom um, has seen him, I think, in the 70s. I've seen him 17 times. Uh, my father has seen him in the 60s. So I know what I'm talking about here. Sure. Um, no Springsteen fan is saying Bruce Springsteen is my favorite artist because he of his voice, the way he layers <laughs> piano and guitar and the drum sound. Nobody is saying that. What they're saying is Springsteen is a religion, as I'm evidence of, because of his storytelling and because of how he is writing. 
and the kind of writing he's doing, which is entirely unique. And I would argue completely sets him apart from the other people of his generation. And Taylor Swift is the same thing. No one that I know of, I can't spot a single one, says Taylor Swift is my favorite artist because of the way she layers guitar, string, all this stuff, her voice and whatever. And it sounds completely different. They love Taylor Swift because of the lyric writing. And that style of writing, that very quiet, very intricate metaphor based with like these really intricate rhyme schemes in a bridge. You didn't hear that in pop, at least pop I'm familiar with, until she made it big. And now it's everywhere. Listen to an Olivia Rodrigo song. That is exactly what she's doing. It sounds like pop. It sounds like Paramore. But when you listen to the way she is writing verses and writing lyrics and layering in bridges, it's completely out of the Taylor Swift playbook. So no, sonically, she probably didn't change music. But I think the way she's writing her lyrics in popular music is changing it. Um, and I think you can see it all so over the place. You just mentioned another, and he's actually a very good comparison for this for this point. You just mentioned another very good storyteller in Bruce Springsteen. I mean, yes, you could right. say that obviously Taylor's stories are different than Bruce's. One was a 15-year-old girl when she started. Bruce was not ever a 15-year-old girl that I'm aware of. But there's still, like, you can't sit there and say, well, Taylor writes songs just for her, like about her. I mean, she does. That's true. You could say that in terms of it being factual. But in terms of the, that being something that is in any way going to change music, it, basically you're saying she's an introspective gifted deep songwriter which we've seen before she's not the first person to do that she might have been the first person in a while it fell out of fashion in you know the 80s i would say it didn't fall out of fashion in the 90s i think most of grunge music actually is that just it again sonically very different than taylor swift but i would say that it definitely fell out of fashion in the 80s pop scene and maybe it didn't come back until taylor swift era 2015 in the pop scene you know maybe pop was devoid of that sort of storytelling but that was certainly present in pop previously and it was also as i said present in other ways i i mean i just said grunge in the 90s but also 90s rap and i'm not like super well versed in 90s rap but most of 90s rap was i mean rap now is definitely a little bit more party a little bit more about you know a scene right but most 90s rap was actually very introspective very much speaking about the the life of the artist and the lyricist who wrote it which is just what taylor swift did so again that's I understand that Taylor has a no, different I'm not story saying to you're tell. Wrong, but what I'm saying is the actual structure of how she how she writes her lyrics, the kind of lyrics she is writing is incredibly unique to her. To her. I, yeah. But I said that. No, already. no, not to her. Right. What I'm saying is that she is the that is a game change. She you could hear a lyric. If you like read me, this might not be a great game to play. <laughs> I, I would be very good at it. But <laughs> You could take the music away and read, you know, verbatim without singing a Taylor Swift lyric, and it would stand out incredibly versus any other artist. She has a structure and a way she's doing things, and that, the style of writing, the way she is writing, um, 
and yeah, Bruce was also a storyteller. And I, I think that they, ha- there's a lot of comps there. And I also don't think that you need to be the first person to ever do something in order to change the industry. Like you've said, people are products of their time, right? And this shift from early 2000s where, you know, everybody was this, and I, you know, grew up in the time too, and I like a lot of this music, but was like this very hyper-commercialized, um, you know, Britney Spears, uh, Gaga was kind of just starting, and I love Lady Gaga, so I'm going to keep her completely out of this because I can't say anything bad about her. Um, but you know what I mean? Of that time, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, like this kind of hyper coming off that hyper pop um, era to then have this artist make it so big who is doing the exact opposite of that and then seeing a sea change of artists coming after her and lining up and doing the same thing. I think that is a change in the music industry. Doesn't just because she wasn't the only person to ever do it and you know Springsteen and other people have done it. She has a Springsteen song and a Taylor Swift song are not the same. No. Uh there's there's some comps and they have had, I think, slightly similar careers in a weird way. Um, but they are both incredibly unique to themselves and are now and have Springsteen has, and I think that we kind of 80s, 90s, you know saw his lineage of people who were, you know, steeped in the uh, glory of Springsteen and then made it big, whether it was U2 or, um, you know, uh, Pearl Jam or any any of those guys. Um, You know, we're seeing it now with Taylor. And again, she's young. She's 33 years old. And I think you're going to see this more and more and more as these artists line up behind her. And I think that is a change. What I'm saying is you're, you're agreeing with me that she's done this thing. And I'm saying, I guess, that is a change. And I think you're saying it's not. And I guess we'll just disagree on that. Well, yeah, ultimately, I think that's probably where this ends up. But <laughs> I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Springsteen. Um, and I do think uh, this is important because this is probably the closing closing bit of the show. We've gone for a while. Springsteen has <laughs> a massive legion of fans. Um, so we'll probably get a Springsteen person ready for it, Matt. Springsteen is also not Elvis. I'll come Michael back Jackson. for that one. Uh, oh. He's not. Um uh, again, I I feel like, and I, I will say again, this is not just you. There's there were other people on TikTok and whatnot. I feel I like for part the of what, yes, I feel like part of the the whole reason we're here having this part of the conversation, not just talking about how you know my favorite uh, Taylor Swift song is "Death by a Thousand Cuts," by the way, uh, which is also a, a really song. deep song, and it's not one of her top forty hits, and it's not one of her main pop songs. But whatever, we'll get into that maybe another time. My <laughs> point is. I said something which I, of course, believe, and I think a lot of folks outside of the Swifty Nation, and there are a lot of folks outside of the Swifty Nation, you don't necessarily see that when you're on social media, uh, which, like me and Matt are, you know, this show is often called the Tweet Cap. It's a recap of Twitter, uh, where Swift is incredibly popular. So I'm not (laughs) speaking out of turn by saying I get why people you know like her and i get why it looks like the world is revolving around taylor right now but there's plenty of people who don't know really taylor swift outside of a couple songs and they don't Mm -hmm. care to know more about taylor swift outside of a couple songs i'm not talking about them for a second um there's a fan base is always going to defend their artist and Mm -hmm. being a massively successful artist being an iconic artist is not what i'm even talking about I mean, there are iconic artists that I'm not even like touching. And the reason I'm not touching them is because the comparisons that we were making 
or that I was making, the people, and maybe this was just Matt pulling names out of a hat. And had he pulled two completely different names out of a hat, none of this would have been the conversation. But whether we like it or not, and yes, both guys are problematic. There, there is a, a very clear one, not, you know, not one that needs to be dissected in a podcast, not one that needs to be, you know, that needs a, a 10 minute version to use another Taylor pun. Um I'm actually, you should be proud of yourself for that one. That's, that's good. Good job. (laughs) As I said at the beginning, I don't dislike Taylor Swift. No, I I like Taylor Swift. Pat yourself on the back. There's a, a, you know, there's a very different, there's a very noticeable difference in music pre and post those two artists. It doesn't take a TikTok explainer. It doesn't take a bunch of folks who bought a microphone to start a podcast to explain it. You can just look. There was music. There was this incident that happened, like this blip in like the Matrix where someone broke out in a way that just had never been seen before, may never be seen again. Then they died (laughs) and music was different afterward. And Matt happened to pick two of those people (laughs) to compare to Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think it's I don't believe it's needs to be impossible to say. I love Bruce Springsteen. He's a musical icon. He's not Michael Jackson and Elvis Presley. I don't think it should be impossible to say. I like Taylor Swift's music. Her numbers on this Eras tour are bonkers. She is definitely one of the top artists today. Just not a question. Probably the top artist today, realistically, if you look at the album sales on Midnight's alone. But she's not Elvis or Michael Jackson. And by the way... I think that's a good thing. Not for, you know, her and her legacy. Like or she's whatever. just Taylor. No, it's not even just Taylor. Cause that sounds derivative. Oh, that derivative. This sounds derogatory, but I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit. Look at what happened to Elvis and Michael Jackson. Like, look at what happened to them. Look at where they ended up. Yes. They are a, a freaking music. They, 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 you know, and another one, by the way, would be Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. Because that yeah. that's the only reason rock and roll probably is still a thing. The thing that Elvis created was almost dead. <laughs> I don't. Uh, but again, if you've acknowledged this, Elvis did not create it. The thing let's, that Elvis let's acknowledge that. Let's continue. To no, in fairness, it. in fairness, the sound was rockabilly mixed with, so it was different, but not substantially. But uh, that's fair. Agree to disagree. The thing that's that Elvis fair. popularized then. The rock music, which used to be popular music, like rock used to be pop. There wasn't a pop. It was rock. And then they like the teeny bopper and all that stuff. Right. It was almost dead until Kurt Cobain. And look at where he ended up, by the way, like these freaks, these geniuses that show up and just change the course of music. They don't last very long. It's not, frankly, not sustainable. And I mean, so I'm not even like saying this in a bad way. I mean, for Taylor's, you know, longevity, for having a long career and having a happy life, it's probably better that she has nothing in common with Kurt Cobain, Michael Jackson, and Elvis Presley. But that doesn't change the fact that Matt happened to pick two very big music altering people to compare Taylor Swift to. And you can love Taylor Swift. You can love every song she's ever written. You can see all three nights of the Eras tour in your hometown, which would be, by the way, like $3,000. You nut, don't do that, but whatever. Oh. Um, 
you could do that. And that doesn't change the fact that they're just not the same. And that's okay. You can be a fan of something that isn't like life altering. I mean, Matt knows on this show, in addition to Tweet Cap, I do all the wrestling stuff. Nobody, I mean, not nobody, tons of people watch professional wrestling, but relatively speaking, nobody watches professional wrestling. It's considered a low form of art. It is. It's talk about unserious. One of my favorite shows is one of the most unserious things that anyone has ever talked about. And most of the time they live up to that label most of the time. So it's okay to like something that isn't serious. I don't think Taylor's unserious, by the way, but even if she was, even if she was genuinely unserious, even if it was all jokes and fun and giggles, it'd still be okay. And if she's still got all those people at her stadium, that's even better because then everybody's winning. You hear the music you love, the artist gets to do it, you know, fulfill their dreams of being a super popular, you know, musician creating for a living. That's, I mean, the dream, right? So I I don't think it's a negative thing. And I want that to be clear because I've said a lot of things against Taylor and the fandom for this opinion. And I think I'm right, but it's okay to like Taylor Swift while also acknowledging that the names picked again, completely randomly, that we were talking about just aren't the same. They are not, they don't, they didn't have the same career. Taylor's already had a longer career than two of them. Like they, they burned bright, fasted out <laughs> that, that like, it's not, and it does. So it's okay. That it's not the same. Not everyone's does that and frankly most of the time it's tragic when it happens but it's just we happen to pick two names that did so much like a you know like a meteor crashing through music at the time that there was no way that any other artist taylor or otherwise was going to compare to those people there just wasn't it was never going to happen and so i think that that should be the bottom line takeaway love the music Love the artists, support artists you love, big ones, small ones. And they don't have to be anything other than your favorite musician. But since this was spurred on by comment section, <laughs> what I said was right. We picked three, two, two names. I added a third just now. Names right. that were just different. Anyone you, talked, anyone you talked to about that subject, even folks who don't like that music, would agree with that statement. They just were different. They made a difference. Sometimes in their death, they made a difference. And I would never wish that on anyone to, to have your death be so impactful to music because that means you died. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I, I think I was saying something nice, frankly, and I think the comments <laughs> should have been nicer to me about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting take. <laughs> so Claudia, what, what do you have to respond to that? And then we will uh, wrap things up. Uh uh, base, I mean, I feel like I've covered it pretty well, but, you know, primarily, I, I, I think I agree. They are, they are to a degree. Um, they are incredibly different artists. However, going back to the original prompt, like, did they change music? I, I would just objectively, and I think I've, I've repeatedly said this online, I think she does at least have that. If you're going to um, accept as true that those two guys did that i i would also say that based on all the evidence presented in front of you uh you also have to accept as true that so did she and if she hasn't completely finished that transformation it's because she's 33 years old and pray to god you know does not die tragically and burn out in a you know blaze of glory i don't think there's anything 
um, luckily, <laughs> to indicate that that would ever happen with her. Um, but yeah, I think if you give her if you give her another ten years, and you know we're we're twenty years separated from nineteen eighty nine as opposed to eight, yeah, I think she's up there, and I think it's pretty indisputable. Um, that's 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 it. That's my that's my case. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think first of all, you two did an absolutely incredible <laughs> job. I'll say that. I I really got a lot out of it, especially from. Where I've been researching the past week and two days, I think the one thing out of everything that both sides can agree with Taylor is the fact that she is just a original person. And what I get out of this and is people love Taylor Swift because of Taylor Swift, because, you know, yes, she has probably the best marketing team around and that definitely helps. And obviously her music and talent speaks for herself. But once she has this very rare opportunity to truly have the spotlight on her, she learn she knows how to not mess it up. And with her wit and and personality, I think people love Taylor Swift because of who Taylor Swift is. What uh who I look at Taylor Allison Swift. That's the person they like. Everything. Um <laughs> and even you know, comparison is the number one what do they say? Comparison is the number one thief of joy. And then you know, take all the comparisons out. People love Taylor because of Taylor. And then the people who don't, they'll look up to somebody else. So that's what I got out of it. I'm sure <laughs> the audience got even more. And um, again, I'll leave the floor open one more time if anyone has anything else to say. But I think um, we got the uh, what the meaning behind this podcast is to just understand why she's at this point she is right now. And also an important thing is she has got in this close the 20 million 200 million records and all that in just about a 15 year career she's only 33 so i'm pretty sure a lot of our answers to our questions will be answered long after her career is over and hopefully that is many decades later i agree <laughs> anything else do you have anything ryan no, I think we're good. I think I think we've we've obviously all said uh, said our piece. Um, I think what you said is right. Comparison is the thief of joy, and I think that has been my main point. But <laughs> I think the last five minutes that has been your main point. Yes. <laughs> but, um, Anna. Yeah. I've got nothing. Go Bills, and thanks for having me. It's been great. <laughs> oh, we have a gr- exciting NFL season coming up, but that is Claudia Dobbins. That is Ryan Page. I Hopefully we could do this again in the near future for something else. Maybe we could debate on, um, you know, the impact of, of Lil Nas X. That could be the Lil next Nas one. X. We'll see where it goes from there. Okay. <laughs> that won't be as long. me either (laughs) but regardless this was a great time we appreciate you too and um let's see what taylor's next move is goosebumps goosebumps for that hour and a half i did not know what to expect and everything exceeded expectations this is by far one of my favorite episodes very great job by claudia and ryan you two are incredible talents don't forget to like and subscribe to the productive conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and youtube and don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all social media platforms we're on instagram at productive conversations podcast 
Twitter at ProdCobblePod, TikTok at Productive Conversations, Facebook and YouTube at Productive Conversations as well. So yeah, I am very, very proud of this episode. This was really really special and we'll see what happens and hopefully claudia joins us some more because uh she's really good very very good and ryan you know how much i love you and you always kill it so uh hopefully we all talk again about when you know another unique thing in our world but taylor swift like her or not she is no doubt one of the biggest names in music and will be one of the biggest artists of our generation and i think one of the things that was said is just look how she brings all these types of people and especially how much she empowers women of all ages and any person who can inspire you to be yourself and be genuine while doing it that is what taylor accomplishes even if the swifties themselves can be a huge parody even if they do a lot of things you can make fun of fun of them for even if you think they're crazy at times and you judge them for this that or the other at the end of the day taylor swift makes a lot of people feel good and feel better about themselves in this world whether you want to go hard on her fan base as a swifty or just be a casual fan she is doing something right to get all this attention and I think she is doing the right things with all her popularity. She understands her responsibility and she doesn't take it for granted. So hopefully one day me and Taylor can talk in this podcast even if it's many years from now we talk about her career and her impact and hopefully one day she knows about this particular podcast episode hopefully one day she knows about the taylor swift episode of the productive conversations podcast and let us see if she finds out about it and hopefully we can have her on someday or she could put in a good word for us as we grow this brand and we grow it together but besides that we are back on thursday with another topic thunder jose rivera making his first appearance on the show in about two years he's gonna come back on and he's gonna face jeterman for another topic thunder we have dolo ren doing a ufc podcast he's doing well, another one i should say this one focusing on mma news and all other things going on in UFC as we approach the next big event and other things going on in MMA, Bellator, all of that. So Friday, we have a UFC news show. And then Thursday, we have another Topic Thunder. We're going to react to the NBA draft next week and talk about some other big NBA news. John Morant gets suspended. Bradley Beal to the Suns. So that'll all be discussed next week. Uh, we got so we to start talking about baseball again, even if uh, both baseball teams in new york particularly seem to be train wrecks now the mets did win last night defeated the astros pretty handily 11 to 1 if only the yankees could do that when they play them whether it's in the postseason or regular season but we'll see if the uh win against houston will lead a spark for the mets and uh, maybe they can turn their season around because they're so bad they might even be sellers at the trade deadline and as the yankees are waiting for aaron judge to return and give life back to the lineup and offense that they desperately need harrison bader coming back as well ain't a bad thing uh we'll start getting into baseball again and uh throughout the summer we will get back into some baseball coverage that is for sure wwe's money in the bank is actually looking it looks like it's going to be a very fun event that's at the beginning of july 
Um, NFL season, we have a ways to go, but OTAs wrapping up. Training camp is in August, so we're going to get really excited for that season. Um, movie, summer blockbusters are coming out, and you can't complain about that unless appreciate it because it seems like more of these productions are halting for the writer's strike, so we will keep an eye on that. And am I missing anything else? I just hope everybody had a great Father's Day weekend. Mom and dad went to visit Brendan in Miami. It seems like they're having the time of their life there. So I hope you are all having a good time there. And we miss you. Um, I just see Larry chilling on my bed, being a good cat he is always. And yeah, I just, uh, I can't believe it's June 20th. Because, uh... In 10 days from now, it's going to be July, and the halfway year point is going to definitely be official, and then we'll see what the other half of 2023 is like. The first half for me was so-so, but, you know, I'll get into why that is on another episode, but still keeping our heads up, and we're not going to let anything bring us down so what a great episode this was it was really really special i want to thank ryan page and claudia dobbins for their contributions to the show i want to thank alexander de jesus aka Doloren, for what he does behind the scenes and i want to thank you the greatest fans and listeners in the world for always supporting us and always tuning in we love each and every single one of you so my name is matt brown i am the host of the predictive conversations podcast i'll see you on thursday with another topic thunder and don't forget to check in on your friends and family alright let's make big moves for the middle part of our week and I'll see you very soon alright much love peace